Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness, where we will be sharing insights into the world of mental health and wellness as we explore traditional medicine and holistic healing options. It's time to have new conversations about mental health. Join Mara James, the founder and CEO of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, as she guides us along this journey. And now, let's talk wellness. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness, where we will share insights for healing, understanding, growth, and spirituality. My name is Mara James, and I am the founder and CEO of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness. Hugs for Life Healing Center's goal is to bridge the gap between medical professionals and accredited holistic healers. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Dr. Kenneth James, OBGYN in Orange County, California, who also happens to be my husband. Hi, Mara. <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> so um, seven years ago, this month, May, um, I experienced a manic episode and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And for me, it happened to be a scary yet a beautiful time in my life because it was also my spiritual awakening. So Dr. Kenny, let's hear from you as a Western trained physician, your perspective. Well, I remember that day um, like it was yesterday. So a little bit about background. So I'm from New York City, just like Mara's from New York. And um, my father was an OBGYN. My cousins are OBGYNs. Everyone in our family are doctors. Um, we went, I went to medical school and my only um, education in psychology or psychiatry was eight weeks of a rotation in medical school. Um, and all I knew was uh, a psychiatric disorder is sent to a psychiatrist, medicated, and hopefully everything turns out great. Um, that day in May, I actually was away on vacation with my parents, and I got a phone call that uh, my wife was unstable. Um, I like to say I wasn't embarrassed. I was just fearful and afraid. Um, I immediately got on a flight and went home. And, you know, I remember I met her in the uh, foyer of her house, and we just uh, hugged for about five minutes, which seemed like five hours. And immediately we started on her journey to healing. Um, I was confused. I was scared. Um, I felt a little bit helpless. You know, I tried to put my doctor's hat on, but uh, mental health is not uh, cancer or pneumonia or even delivering a baby. It's, um, you know, something I wasn't used to, something I haven't been exposed to um, as intimately. And um, I was a little bit lost. Luckily, we had friends that could help, and uh, immediately we started on her road to recovery, and um, and here we are today. So let's share with our listeners what the re road to recovery actually means. So I was heavily medicated. Thankfully, I wasn't hospitalized, but I was stuck in bed for a while. I met with a psychiatrist and a therapist, and then I was introduced to holistic healing. And it was really a combination of these healers, so these, as well as my Western trained physician, that was able to stabilize me and get me onto my healing journey. 
So I started meeting with some healers. And it's funny because if I ever said to my husband, I wanted to become a Reiki healer, he would have laughed at me. He, But lo and behold, one of his patients came into him who was a Reiki master and she told him about it. And then he told me about it. And then I was able to go get trained. And I think he was more open to it. So um, Dr. Kenny, can you share with us about the healing that you've um, witness with me and some of my healers that you didn't quite understand um, and how you saw the transformation of me and maybe your family and yourself? All right. Well, taking it even a step further back, um, when I did move to California, I was asked to be uh, the supervising physician for a few midwives. Now, midwifery care is a little bit more on the holistic side, a little more natural approach to what we consider nowadays pregnancy being a medical procedure. Um, and they really taught me to step back and accept the body as a natural process and, and labor as a physiologic process. So I already started with the understanding that it's not all medicine, medicine, medicine. Sometimes our bodies can just heal in different ways. Then of course, like you just said, you know, I did have a Reiki healer in my practice who, um, who seemed like a normal, you know, average person who just happened to have some special talents and gifts and asked her about it and wasn't really afraid of it. You know, I think typically when I was back in New York, I would have laughed and thought she was, you know, too out there. But, you know, maybe it's the California air or something, but I felt uh, maybe this would help, especially knowing that you're going through something so significant, anything could be helpful. So we did the Reiki and then that just brought us to, you know, other alternative healers that um, that I know you've embraced and I've embraced, you know, even, you know, healing myself for things that I thought were just normal personality traits happened to be, um, you know, some mental health issues that um, I was able to heal uh, without medication. Can you share a little bit about the experience you had with the hypnotherapist and your um, releasing of anxiety? Absolutely. So um, the uh, mental health issues that I dealt with is probably the same issues that 90% of everyone out there deals with. Um, I had a handicapping anxiety about being late. God forbid I was late to meeting a friend for a drink or meeting friends for dinner or going to my family's home for, uh, I don't know, for a holiday. Um, all these little things that are, now I look back at being so insignificant um, was handicapping. I mean, I would sweat, I would get physically angry, I would yell and scream because being late seemed like the worst insult that I could give anybody. And um, I mean, I used to, honestly, I would yell at my wife, I would yell at the kids, I would, just, I would sweat, I would drive fast as can be to get to the restaurant. I would yell at my wife, hey, you gotta call the restaurant so they don't give away our reservation or call our friends and tell them that we're gonna be late and we're so sorry. And of course they were always later than we were. And every time we got to the restaurant, everything was fine. And I would stop and take a deep breath and I would say, ah, we're here, let's have a great evening, right? Now that we made it. And then my wife wouldn't talk to me or you wouldn't talk to me. Uh, you know, our friends didn't know the difference because they didn't care. But to me, you know, when you're finally there, I felt better. But anticipating to get there on time, um, it was overwhelming. Forget going to the airport. 
you know, having to get there four hours in advance, God forbid there's traffic or long lines at security or the gate changes and we're going to be late. I mean, missing a flight would have been, I don't know, a step close to suicide. It was really that overwhelming. And um, really, and that's exactly how I felt, not to, not to put that word in this vocabulary, but it was overwhelming, the fear I had. And um, so, so Mara, you convinced me to go to see Corey, who's a hypnotherapist. Um, and, um, and I went, listen, I've seen psychologists in the past for other just, you know, emotional issues and uh, coping mechanisms, dealing with changes in my life and my career and my family. But uh, 45 minutes after I met with Corey, I felt, um, I don't know, relief. I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually welling up with emotions because it changed my life. I really was a different person. And, um, and I'm not making this up. You can ask, uh, I don't know, 15,000 patients that I've talked to about and the thousands of people that I've sent to Corey for issues, whether it be PTSD from a prior delivery, from fear of going into labor, fear of having a baby, fear of uh, anything, anxiety about meeting friends, anxiety about getting married, anxiety about having kids, anxiety about medical issues, anything. I mean, you could be adolescent, you know, pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, post-pregnancy, menopause. I've sent so many patients who just have this fear and anxiety that will not take medication, that will not go to therapy, who I've convinced because of my own experience that they can be healed and without being sedated, right? Not that all anti-anxiety medicines sedate you, but people are afraid that the medicines will make them different, take away their personality. I say, Anxiety is not a personality trait, it's a personality flaw, and your real personality will come out when you don't uh, have anxiety anymore. So that was my journey. Um, it's been over five years. I feel amazing. I have no fear. We're going to the airport tomorrow for our son's graduation um, and uh, flying to Tampa, and I have absolutely no fear. If I'm late, I'm late, you know? And one of my favorite stories, it's amazing the patients that are brought to you from the universe that um, have challenges that you get to help them, guide them to healing. And one of my favorites is when I met a gentleman and we find out that his patient was your, his wife was your patient. And that when she was pregnant, she was talking to you about her husband who's having panic attacks and that you didn't even refer your patient, but you referred your patient's spouse to go see one of the healers and it transformed his life. And he was actually able to heal his panic attacks. So it's just so profound. Yeah. You don't realize how many people you can heal by healing yourself. And, right. um, and, you know, definitely learned that there's other ways to heal besides just traditional medicine, like I learned, you know, 25 years ago in medical school. So at what point after uh, my episode, because I remember you started, there was a lot of fear and panic that you had, and you were always fearful that I was having another episode. And if I started acting really excited, you're like, you're manic. Um, at what point did you actually, or do you still feel 100% comfortable that I will never experience that again and that I have healed or do you still live in fear or did you actually at some point make that transformation? Well, I mean, I'm not going to say a hundred percent. You'll never have another episode just like nobody can be a hundred percent that they are cured, 
But um, no, I don't live in fear that you're going to have an issue. I mean, I do probably tease you sometimes because if you are excited about something, I don't fear that you're going to have a panic, a manic episode, but um, I probably, you know, inappropriately tease you about it. But um, no, I mean, I know that you're, I know that you're better. I know that you're healthy. I know that you're healed. And, um, uh, and, but I also know that if you are, you know, falling into a trap, I know how to heal it. You know, I have, we have a list of people who I know can snap you back into, uh, um, you know, back to where you should be. Back to reality, grounded. So um, that is just wonderful. So what is your thought? Um, I always have a philosophy, but I'm not trained. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in business and psychology, but that's it. So I personally feel that I, on my healing journey, a lot of it was healing my inner child. And as you know, my really, really strong resentment towards my dad, who is now 99 years old. And I believe that as I have changed my heart, my brain chemistry has changed and that has allowed me to wean off my medication. Um, What are your thoughts? Do you think that it's possible that by healing emotions, you could actually change the brain chemistry? Um, yeah, I think you could change the brain chemistry. I mean, I'm not 100% convinced that you can change anatomically, you know, some of the synapses, but, you know, I think a lot of our emotions are run through, um, um, you know, biochemically, biochemically, electri- electrically through our system. And I definitely think that uh, attitude makes a big difference. I mean, if we are happy, then, you know, we have endorphins, you know, if we are sad or fearful, you know, maybe our sympathetic nervous system takes over and it affects our muscles. It affects just the way our attitude and it affects our right and left brain. So um, I definitely think that attitude and emotions and um, the way we uh, uh, approach you know, different um, situations in life can definitely make a difference in um, in our biochemistry, um, which could lead us to healing. So um, I believe that's um, the idea is that, um, you know, we can heal not just medically or pharmacologically, but, uh, you know, emotionally can we can heal through changing our own bio, uh, chemistry through attitude and experience and emotions. I do believe it. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I could see, I mean, it's a perfect example as women in labor, you know, women who are trying to do unmedicated physiologic birth. Um, they can either show up and just yell and scream. And usually that experience is miserable and not always successful because sympathetically they tighten up. But if they hypnotize themselves, if they breathe, if they have positive attitude, if they have you know, supporting staff and people surrounding them and love and happiness and, and uh, positive energy. Um, absolutely, they could make it uh, probably without, without an issue. So sometimes just the right environment, the right people, the right attitude, um, and you can get through anything and, and heal anything. Childbirth is, is a healing. That's amazing. I'm gonna. I'd love to share another story with you. I ha- you met with um, Renata, another one that came to you as a patient, and then all of our family members, um, all five of us, worked with her. And there was a time where she had her hand on your heart, and I hope it's okay that I share this. But she said, um, "They're breaking down the walls around your heart," and I, all I could think about when I heard that is, "What is he thinking? Like, who's they, and how are they doing it?" But 
we'll, we'll put that aside. And then later on that day, you're in our garage working out and you're screaming, Mara, Mara. And I'm like, what? And you said, I just got a call. I have a patient in labor. And I don't know what Renata did to me, but I'm okay. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So was that a little confusing for you that something happened energetically and all of a sudden you're like, okay, with this stressful situation? Yeah, no, I can't explain it. But um, I mean, I think through, you know, through all the healers and all the time that I've spent learning and understanding, um, you know, my stress level is so much lower than it was. And this is before I joined the group, right? When I, this is all when I was a solo practitioner, which means I'm on call 24, seven, 365, no vacation. Every patient is mine. I felt uh, incredibly responsible. And, um, you know, God forbid I wasn't there for somebody. It was overwhelming and devastating. And you're right. I felt uh, better. Uh, there's, a, you know, on one of the meditations that I listen to every morning before I go to work, it says, um, thanks to Corey, it says, um, uh, the world will still revolve without you being such a big part of it. And, um, you know, that day I, you know, was the awakening where I really understood that um, I don't have to be there every second of the day for every person that I know, whether it's patients, friends, or family, uh, the world will still revolve without me being such a big part of it. So yeah, I remember that day and it, it felt great not to be stressed, not to dump my whole life just to run, knowing that um, you know most likely everything will be perfect, even if I'm not there. I mean, I remember before we left, um, before we left New York, we were living in the suburbs and I was on call and my drive to the city was 30 minutes. But this day I woke up at two in the morning with somebody in labor and there was easily a foot of snow on the ground. And I got in the car and I raced into Manhattan and uh, um, it probably took me over an hour. And I remember doing uh, you know, 360s on the Bronx River Parkway, driving into the city, saying, thank God it's two in the morning because I'm rushing and rushing. I got there by four, four or five o'clock in the morning and she delivered at 7 p.m. And so I rushed all the way, you know, risked my life just to uh, um, just to do nothing. I wasn't even needed, but I felt <laughs> like I was. Now I know that um, life will still revolve. The world will still revolve without me being such a big part of it. And I love um, your honesty in that. Thank you so much. Because a lot of the healing is actually, um, you know, there are a lot of tears and there's a lot of pain. And as we're talking about um, the ego and to, to, for you to say, like, I wasn't needed, that goes really deep because to know that, like, we're not needed and that the world revolves around us is, um, it could be um, kind of an emotional thing, but then to just have the freedom of, you know, removing the layers of the emotion, if there's anger, resentment, pride, um, grief, and just being that peaceful um, heart and soul is so profound. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners that are out there? Um, all right, so much I can share. Um, you know, I talk about this every day. The, I think the biggest issue when it comes to approaching mental health disorders, of course, you know, as you always say, it starts with the child and it uh, evolves as an adult. Um, if people don't talk about it, if people don't ask questions, I mean, when I see a patient, I sit with them in my office and I ask them, 
all the gynecologic questions, all the medical health questions. Um, I ask them about sex and I ask them about mental health. And those are things that have always kind of been taboo and nobody talks about it. But if you don't ask, people don't bring it up. So every time I ask any question, I think it makes people comfortable talking about it. They know I'm a physician. They know where they're in their doctor's office. It's all private. But, um, you know, if you don't ask these questions or if you don't bring up these questions to somebody who can help, um, then you'll never heal. So, I mean, I'm glad I brought it up to you. I'm glad you made me go. Um, you know, we're trying to, you know, open it up to family and friends and, um, you know, not just the patients that we see because the patients I see are just, you know, limited. I got my whole office staff talking about, um, you know, alternative healing. Um, I'm trying to influence my 20 my physician partners to uh, embrace alternative healing. Uh, I think they understand it, but they don't, they might still be afraid of it. Um, I have five midwives in my practice who absolutely uh, appreciate it. I know, you know, you know, Mara, when you were the office manager, you know, we sent plenty of our office staff to healers. We sent plenty of patients to healers. I mean, the best thing when you were in the office was I can just send a patient to, uh, to your office down the hall. And next thing you know, they're on the road to um, healing, you know, emotionally. I'm medical, you're emotional. And um, I think they really got uh, a lot out of that. And then so ask, you know, talk, ask, bring it up. Don't be shy. Um, you know, mental health is not just the delusional schizophrenic running on the street. Um, it's some, something like me. I had mental health disorders. I had uh, anxiety. You know, people have postpartum depression. We see that 20% of women who give birth. That's a mental health disorder. Even if it's postpartum depression, it's mental health disorder. Um, it doesn't have to be something outstanding. It could just be something simple. Beautiful. Well, I'm still stuck on before that you speak to your patients about sex. And I think that's going to be a great opening once we take a quick break for a break. In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, and reach out for help. Through prevention, early intervention, and holistic treatment, we believe many of the big problems facing today's youth can be transformed within a generation. Extraordinary Lives Foundation is excited to offer the Hugs for Life Healing Center, growing a worldwide network of approved holistic healers and bridging the gap between traditional and complementary healing options. Visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast. And if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. 
with my husband and our guest today, Dr. Kenneth James, OBGYN in Orange County, California. So Dr. James, Dr. Kenny or honey, um, you said that you speak to your patients about mental health and about sex. Let's start with the sex part. What do you mean that you speak to them about sex? Well, you know, like I said, after I do my intake and ask them the appropriate gynecologic questions, I always ask them um, how sex, you know, is it pleasurable? Is it painful? You know, it's easier to start with the uh, is it painful? Because um, that talks about an anatomy and physiology. And then we talk about pleasure, you know, and then I try to um, get them to open up about how they feel about having sex. Is it pleasurable? Are they communicating with their partner? Is it satisfying for what they want it to be? And then, you know, that also blends into contraception and family planning. Um, but a lot of it, and, you know, anatomical, physiologic, um, menopause, premenopause, et cetera. But, uh, you know, I bring it up because, because um, it's important, not just gynecologically, but um, physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, what have you, it's part of my practice. And if people don't talk about it, then, um, then they never talk about it. I know that sounds silly, but, you know, you never get better. If I don't bring it up, then they'll probably never bring it up. And then, you know, they might live a miserable sex life for the rest of their life. I love that. And I love that because um, a lot of, there are a lot of mental health um, issues that can affect one having sex or feeling pleasurable, right? Whether there may have been some childhood trauma or if they're holding on to anger, resentment, or they don't feel deserving of it. So that's wonderful. Um, and when you bring up to your patients about mental health, um, are they open to it? Do they feel defensive? How does that work? Mm, not at all. Um, sometimes it just depends on how you bring it up. I mean, I don't say things like, are you depressed? You know, are you fearful? You know, you know, what's wrong? I talk about, you know, I say things like, how are you doing? Are you happy? How are your kids? How's your husband? How's your relationship with your husband? How's your relationship with your family? Um, you know, are you at a place where you're, you're happy? You know, do you enjoy doing the things you like to do? You know, the simple questions that um, can probably be just be read out of a, uh, a questionnaire. Um, I just ask them just routinely. I mean, it's conversation with your doctor. It's like uh, going to a party and um, talking to a friend who says, how are you doing? But, you know, probing a little bit further. So, you know, how's work? You know, how are your friends? You know, have you gone out um, to spend a little time um, uh, just, um, you know, just enjoying yourself? You know, how did you survive through the pandemic, et cetera, things like that. So, um, you know, just try to more than just break the ice, really get them to talk about, you know, how they feel. And if you talk about how they feel, then it's easier to understand if they uh, need to go to the next level of seeing a professional. So, um, you know, like I said, back with the sex. I mean, if they find that it's unpleasurable and they are, you know, having a hard time communicating about it, well, why not refer them to a, to a therapist who can help? open up the lines of communication with their partner. Um, if they're feeling sad or depressed, open up lines of communication with their partner and their friends and, um, and do some therapy. Now everything's online anyway, so how easy is it to just uh, FaceTime a therapist or, or telemed a therapist? I mean, I do telemeds you know, every week and um, patients love it and they're open to it and it's still face-to-face. 
So that is so wonderful that you start the conversation. And we are in May, which happens to be National Mental Health Awareness Month. But I always say every day should be National Mental Health Awareness Day, because it's so important. And I also love, um, you know, me, I'm all about healing, because my life changed, I grew up with so much anxiety and 100% fear. And throughout the seven years of growing and healing and transformation, I am now at a place of peace, faith, love, and trust. And it feels so great that I just want to spread it. And I love that my husband is doing that with his patients. And I just hope that more physicians will continue to do what you do and not just send the child or the adult um, to have medication. Um, but also guide them into actually doing the healing process. So thank you. That is so beautiful. So um, I'd now like to take a little shift and talk about one of our wonderful um, yet challenging children who has been one of the greatest teachers of my life. Um, our 22-year-old who was diagnosed with Asperger's and ADHD at the age of six. And I believe that he's been one of our greatest teachers, not just mine. And I truly believe, um, so when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, an Eastern trained um, acupuncturist said to me, Eastern philosophy says that if you are diagnosed with, with bipolar disorder at 13 years or older, you have a strong resentment towards somebody. So I was 48. My dad was 92 at the time. And I realized, oh my gosh, I resented my dad the whole time. I just figured that he changed because he's older. Oh boy, was I wrong. Um, and then I just truly feel that if you and I didn't take um, some parenting courses and the wonderful course with Deborah Ann about teaching us that children want to do well if they can, and that we came from a place of like more, less, you know, we became less egotistical and more compassionate and sympathetic towards our son. Um, I believe that if we didn't, he would have become bipolar because he would have built up that resentment. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, I agree with you 100%. I mean, that was a huge challenge of our life. I mean, our first son was, you know, perfect and easy. And, um, you know, if we told our first son, you know, oh, we have to get up and leave, he would get up and leave. Um, our daughter was pretty easy as well. But then the middle son had issues, you know, all the typical Asperger's um, emotional issues, whether it's sensory, you know, disorder or or just anger issues or uh, inability to transition. Uh, it was hugely challenging and it was challenging as a parent and as a husband and wife. Um, so, yeah, I think parenting, you know, we took probably five or six parenting classes all over Orange County. Uh, until we finally took that one class with Deborah Ann and really understood. I think that's the moment where like, oh my God, our kid is atypical. He's not normal. And, um, you know, we can't just expect that he's going to listen to what we say and do what we want him to do. Um, you know, I think when my parents, you know, told me to do something, I did it. You know, that's just, uh, that was a typical, uh, what a typical child does. And when we told Scotty to do something and he didn't do it, um, it would drive us crazy. That's not our, what are we experienced. Um, but we understood that um, between bargaining and, and accepting and understanding that he had mental health challenges, um, it became, we became better people and better parents and more compassionate towards other people and um, got rid of the ego and the embarrassment and, um, and didn't even care. 
I mean, like I said, I well up every time I think about it, um, knowing that, uh, you know, when he was five and, you know, we didn't hug him since he was a baby because you couldn't, uh, you couldn't touch him. You know, the T-shirts and the arms in the shirt and the cutting off the tags and, you know, the, uh, uh, the um, outbursts when um, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't listen or didn't want anything to do with, with uh, not with us, but with whatever activity we were doing. Um, that was hard. I didn't know how to deal with it. So I did what every other typical male parent probably does is just, you know, go back to work, you know, ignore it, you know, or any parent who doesn't know how to deal with it. They just let, let him stay in his room and play, uh, you know, play on the computer while we go do something else. But, um, so as far as him being a teacher for us, I mean, he taught us compassion and, and patience and, um, and checking the ego at the door and understanding that people are different and, uh, and that there is healing. I mean, I mean, look at all he accomplished. I mean, he went from, you know, not wanting to do anything to, you know, graduating college, you know, and going on to grad school and, you know, going to live on his own and have a productive life. And he's got great friends. Um, I don't know. It really shows that people evolve. Um, but I think it takes a lot of nurturing and parenting. And I think the two of us really stepped up. I also think that our, I know a lot of it with me healing my relationship towards my dad and letting go resentment has helped my relationship with my son. Um, and it's amazing because there are times when, you know, just the other night, the three of us were having dinner and if there somebody else was in the house, they would have thought our son was being so disrespectful. But when I know when our son is feeling anxious, maybe about waiting to get into his school or about moving across the country that I need to really allow him, I try not to push his buttons. And if he says to me like, shh or shut up, I could respond and we could start this, or I can kind of just ignore him. And I think um, definitely what you said about checking our egos at the door was such a huge thing. And I just hope that, you, um, you know, gosh, you speaking to other fathers to inspire them. It's the only way that their children are going to heal. It's really begins with the parent. So thank you with your, um, for your honesty and that. Cause the, um, other thing is, the other thing that we learned is them, um, you know, he feels comfortable at home and I know he doesn't act out. He doesn't say the wrong thing. He doesn't do the wrong thing when he's out at, with friends or at other people's homes. That was one of our biggest fears is Scotty used to like to come home and take off his clothes and walk around in his underwear because he had that sensory integration disorder. And uh, one of our fears was that he was going to go to a friend's house and take his clothes off because he knew he was home. But he obviously would never do that and not obviously, but he never did that. And then, but when he was home, he did it. So we didn't care. Um, and we you know when he seems like he's being rude, um, I do, we do understand that it's anxiety and we've learned to accept it. And we know that that's not who he is at all times. It's just that it, that's his coping mechanism and we can accept it, um, obviously to a point, but, um, you know, we love him for, we love him for who he is and he's a special kid. For sure. And I always say the greater the gift, the greater the challenge experiencing my own manic episode and actually seeing the gifts that were there. And then of course the universe likes to keep us humble. So of course, with any gift comes the challenge. 
So um, let's talk briefly about our sweet, precious uh, 19-year-old angel. Um, Our daughter was diagnosed with Graves' disease at the age around 12, and and she medicated for that, but she started to develop anxiety and depression, and she didn't want to medicate. And I thank you, uh, Kenny, for allowing her to, and for paying for all the sessions that she met with the healers. And really, she's met with um, our female shaman, Shamananda, for the last five years, and it's been transformational. So how do you feel about your daughter that's been working with the shaman for the last five years, and now her, her own healing gifts and intuition are coming through? Um, well, like I said, maybe the Graves' disease was just a trigger um, for her to um, heal and then move on to alternative healing. Um, you know, I don't care if it's a shaman or Reiki or if it's, uh, you know, hypnosis or body talk, what have you. I mean, there's so many, there's so many types of healing out there that work for different people. So the shaman is, is cool. She's a, she's brilliant. You know, we love her and, you know, Lexi loves her most importantly, and she feels comfortable and, you know, feels like she's evolving. So how great is that? You know, she's on a career path, um, you know, cosmetology school, she's going to have an amazing career and, most importantly, she's happy. So, you know, what else do we want from our kids then to be happy? And if you're happy, you're successful. So that's all we care about. That is so magical because just a few years ago, your number one goal was not for them to be happy. It was to be successful and growing up, you know, with parents like that, it makes sense. And it's just so beautiful. Um, you know, that they have to be happy, not successful. And also what does success mean? If they're happy, what they're doing and their success is not being able to afford a car and they ride a bicycle to work. So be it. So thank you so much for, um, being by my side throughout my wild and crazy journey. I always say that my story is crazy, but I'm not. And I'm so grateful for you and to you and that you can continue to help um, doing this beautiful healing work with your patients. And um, thank you. And let's talk wellness. And don't ever forget, guys, that you are amazing. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfempowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.